Hi, I'm Ashley Smith Thomas, a millennial talking about freedom and national security for America. I'm the founder of Freedoms Fund USA, a nonprofit to protect freedom and national security. I'm a speaker, advocate, and thought leader. I spent 2016 saving Christians targeted by ISIS in the Middle East. This was truly an eye-opening and life-changing experience as I watched and learned from my fellow Christians who longed for freedom. It was that experience that became the inspiration to start this show. In this show, come with me as I interview experts about key freedom issues in America and how we can protect freedom. Because if we lose our freedom, how can we bring freedom to the whole world? Let's take action together and let freedom reign. Welcome. My name is Ashley Smith Thomas, and I am the host of Freedom Talks. The reason why I launched this show was to educate Americans on key freedom and national security issues that impact our nation. Unfortunately, many Americans are not aware of the threat that is happening right here on our own soil. The days of sleeping and being silent are over. One of the greatest threats that we have right now is the border crisis. We have legislators, both Republicans and Democrats, who go to the border for their press conference, for their photo ops. They complain about the policy. They complain about the administration, whether it was Trump or now currently Biden. And then they go back to Washington, D.C., and then they offer no solutions. We, the people, deserve to know what's really going on at the border. We need to know what's taking place. Is it true that, that the cartel is basically controlling the border? Is it true that human trafficking is an issue and a crisis down there? Today, I'm really excited to have Victor Avila, a subject matter expert, share with us what is really taking place at the border as he is an expert on that issue, as well as immigration reform and human trafficking. To give you his background, Mr. Avila is a retired supervisory special agent with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Homeland Security Investigations, HSI, under the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. ICE enforces federal laws governing border control, customs, trade, and immigration to promote homeland security and public safety. Mr. Avila has been recognized by ICE and HSI for his exemplary service and safety. He has been recognized by ICE and HSI for his exemplary service and professional accomplishments while serving as special agent at the El Paso field office and as an assistant attache assigned to the U.S. consulate in Ciudad Juarez and U.S. embassies located in Spain, Portugal, and Mexico City. He has served as an accredited diplomat and liaison to the aforementioned governments conducting international complex criminal investigations and a wide range of violations such as human trafficking and smuggling, drug trafficking, financial violations, arms trafficking, commercial fraud, and counterterrorism. While on assignment in Mexico, Special Agent Villa suffered multiple gunshot wounds and survived a violent ambush by the Mexican Los Zetas drug cartel, where he and his uh, partner, Special Agent Jaime Zapata, tragically lost his life. Mr. Avila has been recognized for excellence in law enforcement by the ICE Hispanic Agent Association, the Director's Award for Operation in Plain Sight in Mexico, Homeland Security Investigations Excellence and Public Service Award, the Valor Award by the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, Medal of Valor for Outstanding Bravery by the National Latino Peace Officers Association, the Medal of Valor by the Hispanic American Command Officers Association, and the NYPD Heroism Award by the Global Alliance of Hispanic Law Enforcement Professionals. 
He began his very successful law enforcement career as a United States probation officer for the U.S. courts and as a district parole officer for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in criminal justice from the University of Texas at El Paso while focusing on the identity among Hispanic Americans along the border. Today, he serves the honor uh, to honor the memory and the dedicated service of S.A. Jaime Zapata. Mr. Villa is an advocate for border security, immigration reform, human trafficking awareness, and the protection of our sovereignty. He has been featured on Fox News, I-24 News, OAN, Telemundo, and various syndicated radio and podcast interviews. He is also the author of Agent Under Fire, A Murder, and a Manifesto. Thank you so much, Victor, for being here today. Very glad to be here, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really thrilled for you to to be here and to share your experience and just what you went through being working, you know, at ICE. But more importantly, why you were concerned about the border. And I'd love for you to just start out sharing why this is an issue to to you and share with us your experiences. Well, the, the border is a, is a personal issue to me, as you know, uh, being born and raised in El Paso, Texas, and worked most of my career along the border. Um, and especially after the, the ambush that you mentioned, they're going through it in 2011 uh, with Special Agent Jaime Zapata. I, um, part of my duty, I feel, as a survivor of that ambush is to share the story that, in fact, we've lost a U.S. agent in line of duty uh, protecting our homeland for the, same, for the reasons that we're going to talk about today, the ongoing issues that affect us, not just along the border, but everywhere along uh, in every town in the United States. And so uh, I will continue to not just stay in touch as I do with my colleagues uh, down at the border, but, um, but around the country and spread the word uh, of the crisis that's happening right now. That's incredible. So you shared your story in the book, Agent Under Fire, of what happened in regards to your ambush. And that was mind-blowing of what you and your partner went through. And so first and foremost, I just want to thank you for your service and what you contributed to our country. Because I know a lot of people think our military, but what I think a lot of people don't realize is that people who serve in various law enforcement capacity and various roles within our government are just equally as important for how they serve our country. So Thank you so much for that. Um, So I want to ask you, in regards to the border, you know, we hear a lot about politicians going down there. They're blaming, you know, the Biden administration. And then, of course, you had Democrats who say, oh, no, it's Trump's fault. And then they still say that the situation that we're in is because of President Trump. But this has been an issue clear back to the Clinton administration. Can you expound a little bit on uh, just the current crisis and the situation at hand? Absolutely. And, and you're right. The, the, the situation at the border has been one that has not been solved in many decades. But the difference is that right now, as you and I speak, it is something that has been unprecedented down at the border. Never seen, even in the 20 years of my career, I had never seen what is happening right there, right now. And it's basically lawlessness is the way I describe it. Uh, we are, uh, this Biden administration is not at, at all having our agents, uh, our Border Patrol agents, enforce immigration law, mm-hmm. basic inf- immigration law that has not changed. It's still in the same, the same, and still the same laws, still the same books. Our as- uh, asylum criteria for entering our country has not changed. However, this administration has changed the way they interpret that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you see um, that magnet uh, that this administration has sent and the, the signal that they have sent uh, of the open borders policy to have people from all over the world. It's not just Mexico and Central America. 
just last week we have hundreds of Venezuelans coming. Not all good Venezuelans. We mm-hmm. have we know the situation in Venezuela and the communism and, and the socialism that's happening in that country. We have people that are for that coming into our country as well. And so there's a, it's a threat. Sure. Our border security is a national security issue, and it's a public safety issue yes. because uh, these individuals that come into uh, our cities, our towns, is not just longer the, the border states. They will be in New Jersey. They will be in Baltimore, in Chicago, California, everywhere in our country, and we will see an increase in crime. We are already seeing that within our own country. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the... Um, the migrants and the illegal aliens that are coming in. Uh, as I went down to the border uh, last month, I was down in the Rio Grande Valley talking to the border agents, and they tell me that they uh, they hear the the claims from the from the people coming from Central America saying the reason they're fleeing their country is because their country is corrupt. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of violence. There's no uh, job opportunities, no education, and and it's terrible. And some have had. Uh, victims of crime, the cartels killed their brother or their father, and it's horrific, right? Horrific stories. And, um, and I'm, my answer to that is, like, we have those issues here. Right. We have plenty of crime in our country. Yeah. Uh, look at St. Louis. Look at Chicago. And just this past weekend, the shooting statistics that have happened in New York, Chicago, St. Louis, and these towns are through the roof. Right. We have a violence problem in these cities. Um, that, by the way, some a lot of these cities are wanting to defund the police, right. which is counterproductive to public safety. As you can tell, I'm a big, big fan of public safety because if you cannot have that in your town where you live at, then everything else kind of goes down, down the drain after that. And so what we have is these individuals bringing their broken countries into our country, mm-hmm. and they don't know any anything better, if you will. And so you see them not respecting the police because they don't respect their corrupt police in their, in their country. And so we have issues when our police encounter them right. when they commit a crime. And you see, you'll see shootings, you see, it's a ripple effect. You'll see this ripple effect continue to happen in our country. And, um, and there's no end in sight for it right now. But I do like to offer solutions, something that I love that you mentioned, because we could go around talking about the problems over and over. And I'm very good at, I can outline them when I think we all know them, but I think the, we're at the point where we have to offer solutions to put pressure on this administration to get it solved. Absolutely. Well, that's good. And what's really interesting with you bringing up about the fact that broken people bringing in their broken country and that that ideology here into the United States reminds me of when back in 2016, I was helping Christians escape ISIS there in the Middle East and was rescuing them and developed resettlement programs overseas. And of course, I was monitoring and watching what was going on in a lot of these international countries like Sweden, Germany, France, Greece, when you had the influx of refugees. And one of the first things that went was their economy. The economy was impacted. And then the second thing was their culture because the the refugees were not assimilating to the culture. So now when you look at Germany, when you look at Sweden, their society has changed so drastically as well as France, where now there's concerns of a civil war fixing to happen in France due to just this Islamic presence that is there. So I know that Biden had mentioned uh, not to use the word assimilation and assimilate, uh, but can you share with us a little bit your concerns um, when people are not assimilating here into our society and our culture? Absolutely. And I uh, specifically wrote this uh, in my book, and I wrote that word in there 
because as you said, the Biden administration is, uh, has deemed it a bad word. Mm -hmm. You're racist if you can't come to this country and assimilate, right. just like he uh, has forbidden uh, DHS officials to uh, relate, uh, refer to uh, undocumented people as illegal aliens. But mm -hmm. illegal alien is a uh, legal term. Yeah. It is in the Immigration and Nationality Act. Uh, as a, when I worked at, for the U.S. courts and, and as an agent, we were required to put it down on paper as an illegal alien. Mm -hmm. um, it, it only means it's not a derogatory derogatory no. term. It only means that it's a person's foreign to this country. Absolutely. And I will continue to use that that term. But this is the shift that this administration wants to. You could see the path that they want you to to go towards, and it's part of the open borders path that you can't use certain terms. But when it comes to assimilation, I think it's so important because. People that want to come to this country, it is important that you want to come here because you want the opportunities that the United States has to offer. That's mm -hmm. great. But part of that is you have to become part of the community. Right. And you have to become assimilated to, this, to our way of life. And our way of life in our United States is hard work, mm -hmm. is a religion, having a faith, and family. Mm -hmm. Basics. This is what we want you to come and, and be a productive member of society. We don't want you to come here create your own group in your neighborhood and never know who your neighbors are, never uh, never be part of your community, never interact with anyone. And that's the problem that we have with a lot of these individuals. They're, they don't want to come here to assimilate. As a matter of fact, I spoke about this just recently that we would hear that these uh, uh, undocumented people want to come to work. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them do. But now the border agents tell me that the, they're hearing different stories, that they want to come for the free in uh, incentives that the government is given, which is a very big shift and a very big difference, hearing that from them crossing from the river sure. in, in southern Texas, they used to just say, I just want to come over and work for my family and do a better right. life. They're not saying that. Not all of them are saying that anymore. Well, we're hearing that the Biden administration is giving out free stuff. Sure. Free health care, free education, free money, cash. Yeah. And that's what's bringing them over. And this is what we need to do is we need to stop sending that signal. And we need to send the signal that, in fact, we do have a border, that, in fact, we are going to protect our sovereignty. And you will be detected, mm -hmm. detained, and possibly prosecuted. Mm -hmm. Prosecutions right now are almost non-existent, And that's a, a huge factor that, that I haven't talked a lot about. But the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, under the Department of Justice has to make these determinations when the border agents call in and say, we have this human smuggling case here that we actually intercepted. Mm -hmm. The U.S. Attorney's Office is declining prosecution on these cases and they're letting them go. But the problem now is that they're letting them go and because catch and release is full in effect, they're being released into our communities, into our country with no notice to appear, no follow up. It's just a free for all right now. It is so unbelievable. Like it's shocking, but not shocking, just given the circumstances right now. But it's interesting that you br you bring up about court because, you know, I've learned just through different uh, education, particularly in human rights law. One of the things that you're taught is the asylum process, right? So when someone goes through a port of entry. That is when they can claim asylum. But according to that, you also have to have evidence that you show that, yes, I've been persecuted because of my political beliefs, race, religion, uh, or because you're part of a social group, or whatever that is, and that you're in fear that the government is going to, to persecute you. 
And I have heard that people come across the border. They don't have evidence of persecution, but then yet they claim asylum. They're not even going through the proper form of port of entry. They just come right across the border. And then the courts, at one point, I had heard that it took three to four years before they would have to go see a judge. But now, you know, I think it was you that had mentioned it's now up to five to six years. Why do you think that's the the case? Why is it taking so long for them to see a judge to whether confirm they can that's a, that's or a, not? That's a great question because, and, and you outlined it perfectly, uh, the, the asylum ca- claims. By the way, when I was down there, I didn't hear the word asylum once. Mm-hmm. And so they, the credible fear that you mentioned that they're supposed to claim that they used to just about a year ago, they even were trained by the cartels and the smugglers to say, when you get caught or if you, you know, in this case, now you turn yourself into border patrol, you have to claim credible fear Mm -hmm. and it has to be credible and it has to be proven. And so that's why the, the remain in Mexico and other policies under the Trump administration were working very well, because in fact, we were able to vet those stories, vet that evidence Mm -hmm. while they remained in their country or while they remained in Mexico not while they were already integrated into our communities. And then they go and see a judge four or five, six years later. At that point, when they go before a judge, they've already had a couple of children. They've been going to school. It's a different life than from five or six years before. And believe it or not, I just read this in the news yesterday. Immigration judges are not having a difficult time deporting them. Sure. And because of the claims that they're bringing, they're like, all of a sudden, like, well... You know, they feel uh, a humanitarian causes to leave them here right. because they've been here so long. That's the big issue. The issue is uh, that, that we should have taken care of that down at the port of entry. And you're absolutely right. It's not at the port of entry. They're coming in through the river, um, which is not the correct way to seek asylum. Most of these cases, if not almost all of them, are, do not qualify for mm-hmm. asylum. They have not been persecuted by their government. Right. And so... We need to go back to those type of policies that work. If you, in fact, do have one, this, the, the United States is one of the most generous countries in the world. And we are a humanitarian country and we are uh, compassionate, but we have laws. And we will go by those laws and we will admit those people that do qualify. Yeah. It's simple as that. Well, it's amazing to me because I feel like a lot of our legislators totally do not uphold the rule of law. And it's almost like the rule of law is non-existent and what law, you know, and, and we see this happening at our border. And it's just interesting to me how the law is like not applicable because even from an international law standpoint, there is a standard for when you claim asylum. And the fact that that's not even being upheld is just mind blowing to me because now it's putting the risk of so many Americans, you know, in, in a situation that I don't think that we need to be in. But also you look at Um, what's going on, particularly in a lot of those border towns here in Texas, and you hear of ranchers, you know, people coming across their property and, and, you know, that they're having to try to to take matters into their own hands and protect their own property. What, what are your thoughts pertaining to Texas? Um, You know, I heard uh, our Attorney General Ken Paxton mention at a forum that um, there's nothing that Texas can do. And he said that SCOTUS had a ruling Uh, basically saying that state law cannot supersede federal law, which that makes sense, and I get that. But then my question is, well, why not nullify the ruling? Because we, you know, the federal government's not doing anything, and 
their job is to protect Texans as well. And here we have this crisis on our hands. And then I also hear on the flip side, you know, Governor Abbott sending National Guard down there and utilizing DPS as much as he can. Um, but I also know there's a lot of people who are upset and angry with what's going on. What more do you think Texas can do to try and stop what's taking place at the border? Thank you for that question, Ashley, because that's the one that I'm focusing a lot um, in this in this coming months, especially after this legislation. Uh, there's a lot more that the state of Texas can do and a lot more than the governor can do. Absolutely, the state of Texas has no jurisdiction when it comes to immigration law. We know that. Mm -hmm. But the state of Texas has state laws and right. it has borders. So it happens to border Mexico. The governor of Texas can immediately uh, enforce the, the highway, for example. I'll give you the, uh, this example. These uh, illegal aliens are being put on buses. Mm -hmm. And they're being taken through bus, through Texas, to the rest of the nation. Or they're taking them to the airport and they're boarding uh, airplanes without identification. Those are two things that the state of Texas could immediately stop right now, today is we're not gonna allow you to use our Texas highway to transport any illegal aliens. Any illegal aliens that are detected on any highway will be, will be sent back. Mm -hmm. The same thing when it comes to the uh, airplane situation. Now the airplane situation to me is mind boggling. We have gone through in this country through 9-11 right. and I can't believe that we have forgotten how vulnerable we were. But look at what we've done at airports. We, you have to take off your shoes. You can't bring in certain amount of uh, fluids. It's become a way of life. Right. However, if you're an illegal alien, you don't even have to go through those checks. They bring you in through the airport, through the back, and without an identification, get to fly on an airplane from Texas to the rest of the country. This is where the governor needs to step up and end this now. Yes, absolutely. You see other states already saying, you are, I'm not going to allow you to house illegal aliens in my state. That's another thing the state of Texas can do. You will not be using the Dallas Convention Center, the San Antonio Convention Center to house three to 5,000 uh, unaccompanied children or illegal aliens. There's a lot of things that the state of Texas can sure. do. So I, I do disagree with, uh, uh, with the, uh, the attorney general in, in a certain sense that there's a lot of laws that we have under state law that we can start enforcing. But I do give them kudos when it comes, and, and I do give credit where it's due. Texas DPS has done a tremendous job. Mm -hmm. I saw them down there when I was down in the valley. They're patrolling the river. They're trying to interdict as much as they can. And this is what they're encountering. They're encountering the smuggling ventures. Sure. Remember, not everyone is coming in and turning themselves in to Border Patrol. Texas DPS is encountering these individuals, and they get to run their criminal history checks. And a lot of these uh, illegal aliens are wanted in the United States or are prior deports, meaning they have been in the United States, committed a crime, have even done prison time in our, in our country, and then deported, and they're coming right back. And we're talking people with sex offenses convictions, uh, drug convictions, violent convictions. And DPS is able to hold those and at least some of them return them to, uh, to Border Patrol and say, this one needs to go back. Sure. And at least that one is not making it in. So they are doing a good job, but it's just not enough uh, resources. The, you mentioned the National Guard. They're down there in a very much of a supportive role. Okay. I, would, I would enhance the, the role of the National Guard. I would give them 
more of a deputized type of uh, authority, uh, just like an agent would, and deputize them to give them the authority to, in fact, detain the people. But this is the problem is uh, uh, um, I think that if the border agents would come together, mm -hmm. uh, Border Patrol and the union and the different chief uh, sectors of each, uh, uh, of each sector, there's about 20 of them along the border, and say, you know, we, we took an oath to we swore to take an oath to defend and protect the constitution of the united states that supersedes anything absolutely and no matter who's in office and send a message to president biden and the biden administration and kamala harris and say we're gonna we're gonna uphold our oath right. and we're gonna start enforcing immigration law what would happen i want them to challenge this administration i want them to put the pressure on this administration because that's the only way we're going to be able to get them to move why do you think that they have not applied pressure? You know, do you think they're, they're fearful of retribution or what the administration would do? Why do you think that there hasn't been enough pressure applied? Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of politics involved. There's a lot of retribution. Agents themselves don't want to become whistleblowers. They don't want to. They're afraid to lose their jobs. I spoke to them one-on-one, -on -one and they're, the gag order is full in effect. They sure. can't speak to the media. They thought when I went down there that I was a, a media member and I told them, no, I'm a retired agent. And they started opening up to me and telling me the, the realities of what they're seeing, um, the family units and what they deal with. All they want is to be able to do their jobs that they were trained to do at the academy. Sure. They're not asking for anything extraordinary here. They just want to be able to do the scope of their employment and being medical assistants, transporters and, and caretakers is not part of their duties. And they feel that they see the vulnerability of the border being open when yeah. they're over here overwhelmed, taking care of and processing these hundreds of thousands of individuals. And they know that they should be down at the border uh, because guess what? The smuggling continues, the trafficking continues, and the drug trafficking, the fentanyl, the methamphetamines is pouring in like never before into our communities. That is just unbelievable and just sometimes hard to comprehend, but I'm so grateful for you just speaking truth to the situation. Um, very enlightening and informative, especially just from your background and being able to speak to this issue. Um, so I thank you for being here on next time. On next episode, we'll talk about human trafficking, the cartel, and what's really going on in that realm of, the, of what's taking place at the border. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks.